the demands of your busy life can be exhausting. If you could use some strength and courage, a source of empowerment is closer than you think. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah concludes his series, Courage to Conquer, by sharing the key to this incredible strength straight from God's Word. Here's David to introduce today's encouraging message, Courage When Fatigue Drains You. Well, have you ever just said to yourself or to your wife, I am exhausted? I don't think you can be in ministry these days without coming to points like that. I know uh, even during uh, the shutdown during COVID, uh, when we weren't able to do as many things as we normally did, I found myself sometimes uh, more tired than I had been when everything was going well because you have the added weight of what to do and how to do it. And a lot of things you did before are harder to do. And so every one of us, whether we're um, pastors or or workers in the church, or whether we're involved in business, um, whether we're employed by others or self-employed, sooner or later, uh, if we're working at it and we're really trying to do our best and giving our all, fatigue can get you. And I have learned a lot about fatigue because I know it can be an enemy in my life. And I want to share with you how you can find courage in fatigue. The message is called Courage when fatigue drains you. Our passage is Isaiah chapter 40. So find your place in the Bible. We'll be there in a few minutes. Once again, let me remind you, there's a study guide and a series of CDs that you can get from Turning Point for this series. It's all self-contained. There are eight lessons in the series, uh, and you can go through this book along with listening to the messages on the CD program, and you're ready to Well, you're ready to facilitate a small group Bible study. You can get your people involved in talking about these great passages. If you're encouraged by what you're listening to, you can be a blessing to others by just being a channel and sharing it in a small group. Get the study guides for everybody in your group and then get together and study the Word of God and let courage make a conqueror out of you. Don't forget also, we're coming down to the end of this series, and uh, this particular uh, resource offer will go away at the end of the month. So if you haven't already done so, be sure to ask for your copy of The Jordan River Rules by Rob Morgan. This book is available during the month of February for a gift of any size. When you send your gift, be sure to ask for your copy of the book by Robert Morgan, The Jordan River Rules. I promise you, this book will bless and encourage your heart. Well, are you ready? Let's find out what to do when we're just wiped out, when we're just tired, when fatigue has taken over. How in the world do we overcome the temptation to join in the rat race and become part of a problem instead of part of the solution? Well, if you will listen carefully and prayerfully, I believe that God's Word can help today. Isaiah is going to help us understand an important spiritual discipline, a discipline that can transform the way that we do life. As we unpack this passage, we will find a symbol of courageous strength to help us in times of stress. So let's begin by looking at this passage backwards, if you will, from the bottom up. The symbol of courageous strength is soaring Notice what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
Isaiah is using this symbolic picture from ornithology, from the study of birds, to help us understand how a person who is walking with the Lord is supposed to cope during times of pressure. I read an article that described three different ways that birds fly. Listen carefully. First of all, some birds fly by simply flapping. Ornithologists say that the first method of flying is flapping, keeping their wings in constant motion to counteract gravity. For instance, hummingbirds can flap up to 70 times per second. But flapping is an awkward, clumsy business. I don't know about the rest of you taking my life in this metaphor. I've spent a lot of time flapping. (laughs) Do you do that? You know, I'm supposed to be like an eagle and I'm flapping around like a hummingbird. And the problem with flapping is that it makes a lot of commotion, but it doesn't get you anywhere. The second way of flying, according to the scholars, is by gliding. The second kind of flying works like this. The bird builds up enough speed and he goes up high and he settles into a downward flight gliding. And it is much more graceful than flapping. But unfortunately, he doesn't get the bird very far because a reality in the form of gravity sets in pretty quickly. And a gliding bird, if he is not arrested in his glide, will glide ultimately right into the ground. The third way is what we would call soaring. Only a few birds, like the eagle, are capable of doing this. Eagles' wings are so strong that they are capable of catching rising currents of warm air, thermal winds that go straight up from the earth, and without moving a feather, they can soar up to great heights. In fact, some eagles have been clocked at up to 80 miles per hour without flapping at all. They just soar on the invisible columns of air. Now listen to Isaiah again. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall soar. Now, if you want to go through your whole life just flapping, just doing your own thing and just flapping around, you can do that. You won't get anywhere. You'll make a lot of commotion and you'll wear yourself out pretty quickly. Or you can have one little moment of glory and grace and glide right into the earth. Or you can let God teach you to soar like an eagle. Then you get the updrafts of his spirit and you get the energy that comes from him and you soar in his strength. When we face a crisis, then we soar. When we are going through the ups and downs of life, we learn to run without weariness. And when sometimes we are called just to plod along day after day, we walk without fainting. So here's a promise that works for every age and for every stage of life. We are called upon in this passage of scripture in the imagery Isaiah presents to be God's eagles flying and soaring above the issues of life. But how do we do that? How do we stop flapping and start soaring? Well, the symbol of courageous strength is soaring, but if you read the Bible carefully, you'll notice that the secret of courageous strength is waiting. Isaiah 40, 30, and 31, even the youth shall utterly fail, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The secret of courageous strength is waiting. Now, what does that mean? 
The Bible has a lot to say about waiting. And yet, listen to how the Word of God teaches us the benefits of waiting. I'm going to give you these five things, and just I can't spend much time on any of them, but they're so evident in these verses of Scripture. First of all, waiting results in perception. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Notice what this says. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. Go back up to the top of that and notice what it says. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. If you want God to show you his ways and teach you your paths and lead you in truth and teach you, you have to learn to wait. Because waiting is the key to perception. Number two, waiting results in protection. Notice Psalm 33, 20 and 21. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Waiting results in protection. It calls upon us to wait in order that we might have the protection of the Lord. It refers to the Lord in this passage of scripture as our shield. How many of you know that when you wait before the Lord, he helps to protect you from all the things that could come into your life and destroy your peace and keep you from being who he wants you to be? Thirdly, waiting results in perspective. Psalm 37, 7. This is an interesting verse. Waiting results in perspective. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret of him because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Do you know how to get over being all bent out of shape because of the people who are doing things wrong and seem to be profiting? Just wait on the Lord. Just get before the Lord and put it all in his hands and he will help you to get perspective on life. And you will see that not everything that seems to be important at the present is ultimately important. Waiting will give you perspective. Notice fourthly, waiting results in provision. What a great verse in Lamentations. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Do you want to go any further? The Lord, is say that out loud with me. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. I want to tell you something. When you learn how to wait on the Lord, his goodness becomes so evident in your lives. And finally, we're back to where we were at the beginning. Isaiah 40, 31, waiting results in power. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Five reasons for us to learn the discipline of waiting. It gives us perception and protection and perspective and provision and power. Are you with me? So how do we go about doing this? How do we learn how to wait on the Lord? Sue Monk Kidd tells the story of taking a personal spiritual retreat at a monastery, going out by the water and trying to be still, trying to just be there and wait and listen and be present. She said it only lasted for a few seconds before everything in her rose up in rebellion, the need to get moving, get something done, read a book, act, solve something. And it overpowered her and she got up and walked away. She said on her way back to her room, she noticed a monk ski cap pulled over his ears, sitting perfectly still beneath a tree. He sat there for long minutes, as much as an hour, perfectly still and tranquil. Later, she sought him out and she said, how in the world can you be so still just waiting there? I can't get used to the idea of doing nothing. He just laughed and he said, that's because you've bought into the cultural myth that when you're waiting, you're doing nothing. Then he looked her in the eye and he said, when you're waiting, you're actually doing the most important something there is. 
You're allowing your soul to grow up. If you can't be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to be. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And waiting, unfortunately, has to be done in silence, which is another problem for most of us. We are uncomfortable with anything that causes everything to be totally still. And I've had to examine my own heart in this this week. I like to hear music. I play it in my car and I play it in my office. I'm beginning to realize that that can become a distraction sometimes from just being alone. You know, Isaiah 30, 15 puts it this way, class. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. This is God's formula. It is definitely not the world's formula. And the psalmist in Psalm 46.10 puts it this way. Be still and know that I am God. Wayne Oates has written these words. Silence is not native to my world. Silence, more than likely, is a stranger to you and to your world, too. If you and I ever have silence in our noisy hearts, we're going to have to grow it. You can nurture silence in your noisy heart if you value it, if you cherish it, and if you are eager to nourish it. Silence is hard to come by these days, is it not? Can I get a witness? (laughs) It's hard, isn't it, to come by silence. But without silence, we can't have the discipline of waiting. And we wait before God, and we are certain that God is in what we do, and we follow Him, and we find peace. Well, we've looked at the symbol of courageous strength, which is soaring like an eagle. And we've looked at the secret to it, which is waiting. Now, I want you to notice the source of it. And the source of strength is God. Going all the way back up to the beginning of our text, notice, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have might, he increases strength. My friend, if you're going to wait on somebody, here's somebody pretty good to wait on. Amen? Notice, in this little verse, you have a compendium of theological truth. The attributes of God scream out at us from every line in the text. He is eternal, the everlasting God. He is sovereign, the Lord. He is omnipotent, the creator of the ends of the earth. He is immutable. He never faints or is weary. He is omniscient. His understanding is unsearchable. He is merciful. He gives power to the weak. And he is gracious. He increases strength to those who already have might. So my friend, what Isaiah is saying is this. If you will just... Cool your jets a little bit. Kick back. Get alone. Be silent and wait on the eternal, sovereign, omnipotent, immutable, omniscient, merciful, gracious God. He will get you where you need to go without all your flapping. Amen? That's what Isaiah wants us to understand. We are flappers by nature. God wants us to soar like eagles. And the way we learn to soar is by waiting before Almighty God, listening to His voice through His Word, and having silence in our hearts so that we can separate all of the noise and the static and hear God. 
and we get centered on him. Pick out some time, some place, somewhere, every day, and get silent before God. And just read something from his word and let it soak into your heart. Push everything else out of the way. And just sit quietly before the Lord. The first day you do it, the first two minutes will seem like you've been there for 30 minutes. But as you get more accustomed to it, and you begin to sense the peace that floods over your heart, you will discover that it will start to transform into tranquility what has before been stress that is so, so debilitating to all of us. So are you soaring? Do you want to? I've done a lot of reading about birds. I'm not a bird fan, but I've learned a lot about birds. And I have a feeling that either we will take this truth from the Word of God and learn it cognitively, or God teaches it to us experientially. And we're all in the business of learning things experientially, but let me just give you a little lesson from the eagles that will help you understand what I'm talking about. In an article called The Way of the Eagles, Bill Britton writes this, There is much we can learn about our heavenly calling as we consider what the Bible says about eagles. The book of Deuteronomy tells us how the young eagle gets his introduction to the practice of soaring in the heavens. Now watch carefully. Deuteronomy 32.11. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them up on its wings, so the Lord alone led them. Now watch this. Deuteronomy says that the mother eagle stirs up her nest flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, and bears them up on her wings. Now let's assume that we're watching this process, and the time has come when the young eagle must leave the nest and strike out on his own. Guess what? He doesn't want to do that. He's real comfortable in this nest. He looks down from the dizzying heights of the mountain peak where the nest is, and he's not even close to being ready to try any new adventuresome, dangerous enterprises. So the mother eagle begins making things uncomfortable for him in the nest. She stirs it up. The nest is so soft, so safe, so comfortable, and he is satisfied to remain there, and none of this business of trying out your wings is even in his vocabulary. So the mother eagle stirs up the nest. She tears up his soft bed of downy. She breaks the twigs until the jagged ends stick out. In other words, she begins to make life very miserable for him in the place that once was so very safe. Is it possible, my friend, that God is doing that with you? Let me just interject. Have you gotten so comfortable that you were unwilling to step out in faith and trust God for anything new? Let him get under your wings and help you to soar. Has the word adventure disappeared from your vocabulary? (laughs) Now, unfortunately, stirring up the nest doesn't always work for the eaglet. What happens next is the eagle doesn't leave the torn up nest, so the mother eagle begins to flutter over her young. Now, what this means is she begins beating him up with her wings. These are the wings under which she protected him at first, but now they have become his greatest enemy. And to escape these terrible wings, the eaglet climbs to the side of the nest. And as the mother eagle spreads her wings abroad, he hops on her back. See the mother eagle as she soars high into the sky with the little eagle hanging on for dear life. High up above the clouds she goes, and suddenly without warning, she dives out from under the little eagle, leaving him hanging in the air on nothing. 
He screams with fear as he tumbles through the air, but instinctively his wings stretch out and he begins to catch a little bit of the air. Down, down, down he falls as his untried wings fail to function enough to hold him up. When he looks like all hope is lost, he's about to crash into the rocks below. The mother eagle swoops under him and bears him up on her wings. Back to the heights of heaven they soar. But just as he thinks all is well and he is sitting on the top of the world, the bottom drops out again. (laughs) This time her wings begin to operate a little better, become a little stronger, until finally he learns how to catch the currents and soar by himself, no longer needing the mother to catch him from falling. My friends, God is in the business of transforming us from hummingbirds to eagles. He will stop at nothing. His purpose is clear. His children are eagles in the making. And I want to ask you today, where are you in the process? Are you comfortable in the nest? Are you sitting on the edge of the nest or are you in a free fall from the back of the mother eagle? Are you starting to soar just a little bit as you have begun to learn to trust him? Let me tell you what really this is all about. It's about trusting him. Waiting, listen to me, is trusting. Waiting is saying, Lord God, I trust you. I'm waiting upon you. I'm believing in you. I'm going to let you guide my life and direct me. I'm turning all that I am over to you. I fully surrender to you. And I will soar on the winds of your spirit to wherever you want me to go. It's trusting. Not long before his death, Henry Nouwen wrote a book called Sabbatical Journeys. He writes about some friends of his who were trapeze artists. They were called the Flying Rodellas. The Rodellas once told Nowen there's a special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. The flyer is the one that lets go, and the catcher is the one that catches. As the flyer swings high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when he must let go. He arcs into the air. His job is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. One of the flying Rudellas told Nowen, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. That is the lesson God has been teaching me and teaching some of you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Are you willing to find some silence and some quietness to wait upon God, to put your hope in Him and your trust in Him, to reject the frenzied alternative of the culture in which we live. I can find peace in my heart when everything is crazy all around me because I know the God who is everlasting, the God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, whose wisdom is unsearchable. And through my waiting upon Him and my relationship with Him, He has put a quiet center in my life that gives me peace in the midst of the frenzy. Wow. It works. But you got to try it. And that's my challenge to you today. Amen. Isn't Isaiah passage a a great encouragement? Isn't Isn't it wonderful to know when you read the Bible, if you're faithful in reading the Scripture, you come across passages like this that just lift up your soul, um, put a new spring in your step and gives you the courage to keep going and even helps you understand what to do when fatigue is draining you. This whole series on courage 
to Conquer is available from Turning Point in a CD package, and there's a study guide that goes with it. Uh, you can get these materials from davidjeremiah.org. There you will find other Bible studies that will encourage you and uh, curriculum for your own personal Bible study and small group studies. I hope you will take advantage of the work we've done to facilitate the discussion of the Word of God when you meet together in groups. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we're going to kind of extend a little bit uh, the study, although this is outside of the study. We're going to talk about what a nation did in the time of crisis, a little bit more about what happened to the people of Israel as they were making the transition into the Promised Land. Don't miss it. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Courage to Conquer, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine turning points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. Learn how God uses crisis to prepare you for stronger days ahead. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin our series, A Nation in Crisis, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're ready to move towards the promises God has given you this year, then you'll love The Jordan River Rules, written by Robert Morgan. You'll learn 10 God-given strategies for moving forward, including how to encircle obstacles with biblical faith. This encouraging hardcover is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point this month. And when you give $70 or more, you'll also receive the Courage to Conquer set, featuring Dr. Jeremiah's teaching series, companion study guide, and bookmark. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Several times in the Old Testament, God says He will remember certain things. Like in Leviticus 26.42 where He says, Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham. I will remember and I will remember the land. But does God ever really forget anything? 
I mean, when God says He will remember something, He simply means He will be faithful to a promise previously made. And we can learn from God's example. Sometimes we forget the commitments and promises we made in the past. Sometimes we need to ask, am I remembering who I am and what I believe? Well, this is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God remembers on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.